0: Hey I'm Fuzz I'm Joel Welcome to Fags and Fendi And we're here to talk about Life, relationships and what it is to be a queer person of colour in Australia He said it all Welcome to another episode of Fags in Fendi. We are your favorite faggots. Welcome, and
1: I have to say, the session is now open, Dolly. Hello, (laughs) hello. New Cat Trace. How are
0: you? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. I think so much is going on in the world. Um. So much is going on in the world of, of queerness, of people of colour, and so much is going on in Australia right Darling, now. Darling, you look so tired. I am exhausted, tragic, bitch. Dolls. I am exhausted. <laughs> I was just told, just so that everybody knows, for the audience's sake, that our producer for this wonderful podcast name is Darcy oh, from God. Pro Podcast Productions. <laughs> um he said that I look great from every angle every single time. And Joel, you need to make yourself look I like am a troll British, doll. To get up. Uh,
1: he said you're a gaslighter. So <laughs> he said he was a gaslighter. It's you a can little bit enter, different. Darcy can enter your commentary right here. <laughs> so,
0: so what's happening, sister? I mean, what's not happening? Well, this is this is a very, very big question of life, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, like, you know, we're 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 out here right now. I did a the reason I'm so tired this morning is I did a interview with, um, with ABC, um, Pacific, um, the, the radio show in the morning um because I am currently on My Kitchen Room the most, most recent I've seen season, on TV most recent season it's a whole vibe. Um <laughs> Can I you act a
1: little more excited than that.
0: Like you know like it's like <laughs> I was telling you before. So like um the day that the first episode was coming out, people were like, oh do, are you watch are you know are you doing a viewing party, whatever. Even you asked me and I was like, oh nah, you know I, I just no, wanted to say fine. I knew this was going to happen. Oh, I don't care. Like whatever. Anyway then I was sitting there eating my Domino's pizza, watching <laughs> watching the show. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Do you know what I tell you what's so cool? And that's basically what we'll be talking about today, um, is to see representation. Um, for me, as a pers- person of the Pacific, as a Pacifica person, as a Fijian person, we don't get to see ourselves very often um, in popular culture. We don't often get to see ourselves on reality television. I mean, more and more, we've been seeing people like us. You know, One of the bachelors was, was a Fijian man. Uh, the recent winner of MasterChef Australia is a Fijian. Um, also, the recent winner of MasterChef New Zealand is a Fijian as well. So I was like, oh, this is very cool. But beyond that also is that, like, I felt like it wasn't tokenism. There were two of us who are Fijian, myself and the person I'm on with, Anna, a friend of mine. And then you had Janelle and Mons. Janelle is of... Um, Turkish and Filipino origin. Uh, Mons is Sudanese. Uh, you had Freena, who was Malaysian, Singaporean. And I was like, this is very cool. Like, we're starting to see. And of course, you had, you know, other iterations of, of Australians as well. But what was great was to see different types of people, you know? I felt like
1: I didn't even get to celebrate that. He went straight into the serious now. <laughs> tokenism diversity oh my god (laughs) seriously let's first start with how great is it to have you on board on the show and you're representing us all even though i don't want to say it but it's true (laughs) everyone is watching and everyone is celebrating the diversity but also the fact that you're representing all of us and i think it has been really good to see and watch i feel like i'm journeying even though i did journey with you of course you (laughs) from the background but i think it is so exciting because we're all in group text and we're watching the episodes together. And um, from our point of view, it's just so nice to see the representation in return and we feel like we're with you and I really cannot wait for episode on Sunday which
0: is when you will cook I'm hoping I'm we're assuming (laughs) 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 we're assuming yes um we haven't got an official schedule of when our episode is out yet but if we follow the um the general trajectory we were we, we we should be on Sunday. so
1: this goes to A on thursday which means that we've already seen i mean yesterday was
0: when we were recording this yesterday was the malaysia and trina yes yeah, so there was cook yeah so there was uh freena and steven were last night um so we start off with alice i was and like Hila. girl what were you doing with that dessert i'm just oh, honey, like honey. i'm, I'm honey. like
1: oh i'm malaysian and <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> You know, I was, I can comment. <laughs> Trina, girl, we need to have a Frina, chat. Trina, her okay, name Trina. Nice. Whatever, that dessert threw me off. Okay, we need to have a chat. Like, nah. how can you start the entree? I can comment, you can't, because
0: you're contestant. But I you mean, know. I can now in hindsight. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> As think- a Malaysian,
1: I'm just like, there's so many desserts, there's so many other entrees you could have picked. The squid and onion, the- this, the dessert, like what is the dessert? I think like, there's so what, many things from Malaysia that you
0: could have. But that's from. like literally what like the Queen, Nigella anyway. Lawson said herself was basically that like you could have done anything traditional. You know what I mean? Like, but even in the Nigella,
1: farm, she's like you could have done anything different. Oh, she's just. <laughs> I was very angry. She like of offended that. your culture. <laughs> she did because she was inviting <laughs> everyone to to experience a piece of her home. Yeah, and then you look at the dessert and you look at the entree, and I'm just like, that could have been like far better things that you could have done you you brought the traditional thing like manu said in the main however everything else was deviated and you tried to be creative but you also were trying to get everyone to experience your culture yeah so i'm deeply offended just so you know
0: <laughs> okay look i'll give i'll give you a little bit of background <laughs> so like because they had talked so much about their food and because i love malaysian food so i i just think it's one of um one of you my you can't favorite get enough of
1: malaysian sister
0: it's a oh, God, I mean, <laughs> not you, but, 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 the, but the food is gorgeous. So, And they kept talking about it. And so much of the show was her talking about like, oh, you know, this is my culture. This is what I do. This is, you know, my heritage. And this is the food that I make and blah, yes. blah, blah. It's going to be spicy. It's going to be delicious. And I was like, I was like really yes. good. And when I got there and I sat down and the, I mean, look, the sambal was gorgeous. However, yeah. I did not eat that day. Because I was like, we are going to, I mean, like, you know, no shade, but like we're going to the home of people of color or a person of color. So I was like, we're going to get some hefty servings, you know? Yeah, but you also know you're going to get Malaysian food. food. So <laughs> you prep yeah, for those kind of things. And you think it's going to be like a lot yes, of stuff. Yes, yes. Anyway, when the thing came out with like four <laughs> rings on the plate, <laughs> And I like, like Oh you know that's such like, an ugly laugh
1: uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I, <laughs> I was, was like <laughs> I <laughs> texted <laughs> my friend and yourself I was like Are we doing a run to Hungry Jacks Because <laughs> we just got Onion rings I was like
0: I've never even seen that in Malaysia It's not a Malaysian thing It's not So she said it so. was a coming together Of like two cultures or whatever But like I mean I didn't like The sambal was actually Genuinely very very beautiful But it's just that I had nothing to eat it with So in the I, end like have to pick it just, up and eat it by I itself have no more
1: words anymore it was
0: but that, <laughs> but that dessert that dessert was not representation and <laughs> was it steven was steve or steven? steven
1: steven was offended by the marks for the dessert apparently that was his remarks after
0: yeah. the one and i'm like dude let's all just dude <laughs> <laughs> in that talking about representation and bringing it back to us sitting here you the renaissance album by beyonce it, how you know?
1: Was that the transition?
0: That is 100% the transition. Oh my God. Do you know what, can I just say? No, but actually, actually, do you know what? Okay, the entire time that I was out on the road when we were filming, because we filmed for a fair, fair bit of time, right? And then, you know, I, I think it was in that time that Beyonce kind of like wiped her, mm-hmm. you know? And then we were like, oh, there's an album coming. There's an album coming. I did not expect this album. I did not nope. expect it at all. For it to be so full of sort of like, of you know, love for the queer community yep. is one thing, you know, and that sort of appreciation for where so much popular culture comes from, because popular culture is birthed in queer culture. Yep. And not just that, it's birthed in black and brown queer culture. Yep. So I thought that that was quite beautiful. And I love also the fact that many people thought that um, Beyonce and Lemonade was sort of like Beyonce's blackest album. Yep. But actually, this is her Blackest album. It has gone right back to like the origins, origins. of Black music and where it comes yeah. from, what it means, and and that feeling of community and family. There's a lot to it. It's, yeah. it's very, very heavy.
1: I Honestly, I'm just, well, apart from Beyonce, I just feel the timing of everything. I think that's what I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating the fact that we've started the podcast and it's all about queer culture and our culture and our stories. And then you have Beyonce's drop right you know, right when we were doing episode two and episode three, that's when it dropped. And then we have you on MKR as well. And I just think everything has just, you know, this is what we call God's hand. Like it's just the the beauty of timing and everything working hand in hand. I've received so many text messages from friends and family and even listeners that I've mentioned. Man, you guys timed that so well. I was like, yeah, we had a chat with Beyonce on the phone. And then we said, we're going to launch a podcast. It's about queer culture. Can you create a queer album? So you see, everything is so planned and everything goes hand in hand. And I'm just celebrating that moment and and i was listening to um i'm sure you're still listening to the album on repeat
0: oh, what songs are you end.
1: listening to now
0: i literally because that entire thing i um i was very privileged to attend the uh sony celebration the sony music celebration in australia for the Beyoncé launch and i remember going in renaissance. about renaissance yes um and it was held at universal so we got out there um, and they played, you know, a mix of different types of Beyonce and Beyonce-related music. And then, you know, for that moment, I would listened to the album already, and I'd listened to it, like, you know, from beginning to end. But in that club scene, in what is, you know, wh- what is a, a club that celebrates queerness, yeah, um, towards the end of, of the event, they played the whole album beginning to end, right? Yeah. And it was in that moment that really struck me that actually... I never need to listen to anything else ever again. I <laughs> mean, like it's You it, can't. It's you, so you hard. Can't. Because it is literally just like it is a whole DJ set list. It's a whole like,
1: genre of its own.
0: You have to do absolutely nothing. Like it it pulls on yes. um, you know, it there's there's house music, there's there's that sort of disco it's it's very sort of like back to the heart of what it means. And there's still that sort of like, you know, contemporary urban hip hop rap feel yes. to it. So it's very cool. It's kind of like bringing together errors. And this is why I thought and I said to you, right. So many, many years ago in the 80s, um, Madonna brought light to and of course, you know, Madonna is, a she's a cultural icon. She is, she is one of, she's one of the the first stars or not the first but one of the first at the time to support the community from beginning to end because the community supported her. Well, we had this conversation, the night before we were having dinner and we
1: were it's talking true. about Madonna changing the, the um, what's the first one, Pioneer. Yes. And then the next day, boom, Queen's remix. Well, Beyonce the and Madonna. Theme. I mean,
0: how good <laughs> is that? It's like, but it's almost <laughs> like, and that's back to like what you, you were saying just now. I feel like we're kind of like in this cultural moment. Yes. I feel like the conversations are aligning because finally maybe we're getting somewhere. Yeah. We're not there yet though. You know, we, we no. you can kind of like fool yourself into believing that that it's all it's all okay. Yeah. But we know that it's not. You know, we know that there's still a journey to be had. Yeah. There's still steps to be taken. Look, I
1: think it is more so that Beyonce has come along. Beyonce, you just have to say the name and you know power something is coming cultural movement. The fact that she has come out with this album with the origins with the um, all the inspirations and the collaborations, everything being pulled from the queer, um, black culture and that disco setting, it has been It's like I'm seen, that's what I told you. I was listening to the album the first time with friends, um, obviously a little intoxicated, and I just brought myself into that setting and I was transported. I mean, alcohol can do that for y'all, you know? I'm not (laughs) supporting it, but still. You felt like you were in the disco era and you were going through the motions with her and because the transitions of every song were, you know, you go fast and then it slowed down to slow tempos, but everything had the disco feel and then Beyonce's voice—I call Beyonce like a voice magician because she changes her tones and her voice. You know, she's rapping here, and then she's going really hard, and she's like gah, 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 grit. And then she makes all these funny noises, and it's still so cool. And then she has her light, light, you know, plastic. We have the- a super
0: fan, darlings. We have. Oh, a super we are a super fan. fan like, yes. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> sh- you know what? You should be the president of the Beehive. That's all I'm saying. No,
1: if you want to be the ambassador for Heartstopper, I'm the
0: ambassador for Beyonce. So let's not
1: even. Who has? the tattoo of the hot stuff leaves
0: you you should get a tattoo of Beyonce that's all I'm saying don't you worry I will
1: (laughs) but again the cultural movement that it's created I am I think we're all enjoying being seen and being um, pulled out and Beyonce is telling us all like the queer culture I see you the black culture I see you I see the origins and this is what I am going to emphasize and highlight for this period and like I said I'm just I followed Beyonce for many years i'm sure you have as well you're queer you have to it's part of the contract (laughs) and you know we've journeyed with beyonce from the start from you know destiny's child from dangerously in love and she's managed to take us along this journey of changing sounds and changing genres but more so than that she has become a cultural phenomenon and we try to trace it back to when did she become so influential and so powerful and we kind of date it back to maybe lemonade
0: Yes, I think that um, Beyonce and Lemonade, and what's really interesting about that is this: If y'all are wondering why I'm talking so much about Beyonce, it's about representation, about representing yourself in the most authentic way you possibly can. You know, it's we have the, you know there's an interesting thing that people of color do, and it, and it's something that maybe our listeners out there who are not necessarily people of color don't understand. But when we enter into any space we uh, we come with you know we come with our own lens as you do so we come from the lens of the the particular culture that we come from, the communities that we come from, our families, because we're so deeply rooted in this idea of family. And the, our idea of family is very heavily extended as well. So you're always thinking about all these different things. And you come with sort of your your preconceptions, um, your sort of preconceived ideas of what it means to be a human being based on being a person of color, and also the things within the Australian context that you're told as a migrant about who you are as a person of color, what you need to do to succeed as a person of color. So that's what you do. You walk into something like that, right? And then what you do is you have to switch your lens because we have this thought that, no, in order to be successful, I must first perceive the world, not as myself, but through a white lens, right? I have to whitewash what it is that I understand to appeal to the market. And that's what a lot of, that's also what a lot of popular culture icons today have done, particularly people, particularly people of color. So, and this is again, you know, the difference between like Madonna and Beyonce, for example. She's iconic, of course. I love Madonna. I think she's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And if you were to look at Beyonce as sort of like a modern iteration of a type of Madonna, you know, the biggest star in the world, yeah. it's interesting to see the trajectory because Madonna's always been able to sort of reinvent herself yeah. to be different versions of herself. Beyonce, however, as a person of color, has not necessarily reinvented herself to become different versions of herself. Rather, she's been on a journey to become herself because in the very beginning, you feel like you as as a person of color that you are too much. If you add to that to that the layer that of of queerness then you really feel like you're too much so you always feel like you know i have to bring this down a notch i have to bring this down a little bit i can't be all about this i need to ensure that i am able to cross over when we talk about crossing over what we're really talking about is not being so black or brown you know we're talking about essentially being more white and that if we are more white that we will find success because that's how you cross over What's happened with Beyoncé is interesting because it empowers people, hopefully, hopefully, I think, um, to not have to do that, to not have those extra layers towards success. Hopefully, because of what's happened now, in this particular moment, people will be able to step out. Maybe it's a fallacy. I don't know. We're going to have to see what happens. But maybe people will be able to step out and be like, I am queer. I am black. I am brown. I am a person of color. I am differently abled i am whatever you know i mean i i am all these things i am a different gender i i do have a different gender experience and i can be exactly this thing i can be exactly this thing and i can be seen i can be exactly as i am today you know for for our, our much younger listeners you know if you're you know 15 16 17 18 years old whatever it is you know even if you're in your early 20s still figuring your way through life to feel like i can be exactly as i am And I can step into the world and I can put myself into the world and I do not have to put on the lens of whiteness to make it. I think that is a hope that
1: we have, but I still think we have a ways to go. It's like homophobia. You know, the biggest feedback that we keep getting is the fact that, after listening to three episodes, we have our straight friends who have told us multiple times, oh my God, listen to your podcast. Didn't realize homophobia is still so rampant. Like that has been the main feedback from my straight friends. Similar to this, when you're telling us the story, I'm like, Beyonce's trajectory is all our trajectory. It's all our colored person's trajectory.
0: And have you had to do it yourself? Of course. I mean, I think that like- I know I've had to do it as well. Oh, absolutely. I think that like, I think what's, what's interesting is um, in, in my early days in Australia, for sure, it was trying to sort of like, I suppose my difference is this. In my early days when I was in Australia, I definitely sort of felt that. I felt like, oh, you know, you gotta be a little bit less, you gotta be whatever. Um, when I, was, I went to the University of Sydney, it was a wonderful place to go. But again, it was, it was sort of like still that feeling of like feeling yourself out a little bit and being like, okay, well, how do I fit into these spaces? Well, this is how I do it. Um, I had the benefit, however, um, after my, after owning my first business of so moving back to Fiji, back to my country of origin for a period of time, for about uh, kind of like seven or eight years or whatever it was. In those seven or eight years, I became very sure of myself as a person of color because I went back to a country which is majority people of color. Of course, decolonizing m- mindsets, obviously, and we still definitely have issues around the way that we relate to ourselves because of the fact that we are decolonizing people but when i came back to australia i came back i suppose a little bit older and a lot more sort of like well fuck it you know what i mean like if, if if this isn't gonna if if this is not enough then then maybe it's not enough but i understand that that is also my personal privilege and again, you know, we talked about privilege in the previous episodes. Yes. We can have different levels of privilege, even as people of color, even as queer I people. I think so.
1: for you, going being able to go back to Fiji and coming back, you know, you get that real grounding element, which yeah. I think is really good. Maybe for a lot of listeners, the experience is a little bit different. It's very if different. you know, like even for myself, when you've moved over and your whole life is over here, then you feel like you do need to assimilate. And I know looking at the trajectory. You know, what you said is true, and that's true for every single one. You know, I think as we speak more and more, the real goal in life is just to be, it's just a journey towards being yourself. no, oh, 100%. It, that's true for every single one. But the way of having a colored lens is very different. How we reach that destination is very different. And I look back as well with this trajectory, and I also think, you know, could I, I wish I could have been myself earlier and I wish I could have been authentically me, 100% me. But you know, it was a journey. We needed to go through all the things that we needed to go through to get to where we are today. And I feel like um, when we speak of Beyonce's trajectory, it's the same thing of you know what we apply in business. If we're going to open doors in Sydney, which is what I did, a business here. I mean, I have a business for straight men. Like 99.9% of my clientele is straight men. (laughs) And here's a gay guy trying to put myself in their lens and think, okay, what might they be interested in and what do they wanna see? Um, I'm in the Northern side, I'm in North Sydney. Couldn't get more white than that. <laughs> so on top of
0: that, I've added that layer on as well. Well, I always think that every time I cross the bridge, it's like so oh, that's look, my lens, white and straight. No, but it, no, but actually every time you cross the bridge, though, it's just like, oh my god, there's no people of okay, color. You
1: just over dramatic. Like <laughs> okay. <laughs> it literally is. I don't know what is up with y'all who think that the bridge is like this faraway place. Like you cross the bridge and you get to this fucking island that's
0: far away. You I literally know, look it's at actually it from the balcony. It, no, it's like it's actually that. It's like you cross the bridge. You're like, there's I'm no a people real of color. Stop there's no <laughs> homeless people. There's like, you know, it's just like, oh, look at this. This strange place you know <laughs> and every time you like, <laughs> you know what you're
1: the ogre on the rocks
0: <laughs> anyway so yes
1: yeah, so i've had to look at it from that lens and again it might not be a um, normal caucasian person's thinking but it's my thinking i have to do that and you know what's really funny every time i explain the name mr fierce that's from beyonce too honey <laughs> <laughs> mr fierce was derived from the name sasha fierce which is <laughs> beyonce's alter ego so i laugh I always have the last laugh because even though you straight men are coming to me, there's your gay flair, okay. (laughs) And what my friend reminded me a long time ago is that, that's my point of difference. My point of difference is that I'm able to attract the straight men to this brand, Um, you know, be suited up, look a certain way, but it's my gay flair that has brought the styling, that makes us very different in the way we style. We push our men to be a little bit bolder. We push our men in, even in the styling game, we push them to experiment with lapel pins and brooches. Men come in there wanting to experiment. Men want to be able to dress up. And I think that's why, I mean, I've set up my business in a way where it's hiring designer suits so that you have that point of difference that I don't have to own it, so I can be a little bit bolder but it's a lens it's a reality it's a yeah. lens that I've had to put on and as I uh, as you know when the first two years of my business, I started it very safe. I was like you know this you know if I do this campaign and if I push these messages, it might be a bit too much for my white audience. It might keep my colored people happy, but you know if I do that for the white person, maybe I might upset the colored people it's not attracting them because they don't see representation. Now I'm like, fuck it. Now I have all the diverse, kind of like all the ranges in my campaign. All my staff are diverse. It's just part of our life. Yeah. And I almost joked and I told my staff the other day, I think we need one white person in our campaign. We need to add a little bit of diversity
0: here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so no. we've had to journey to get there.
0: No, I, you agree, I agree. And I think that like, that's where it's sort of like, it comes back to this. This is why, honestly, and I don't think... I I'm, can't imagine you running a straight business. No, anyway, certainly not. I would never. I'd rather kill too myself. Too much. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. It's disgusting. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think that... Um,
1: you know producer is straight, right?
0: <laughs> Sorry, Darcy. Darcy's um, like
1: this straight white man,
0: I think, who wants to kill
1: himself every time we are in this room. But we really love room, big love like to you. it immediately.
0: Darcy's an amazing, enlightened, wow. cisgendered straight man. He makes wonderful. it he makes
1: it so comfortable
0: to have these chats. So, yes, which you know, is good. I mean, which he's, is sitting right there. In itself. he's sitting right there. You know, he's so saying, there God. are some good white males. <laughs> Can I say that? You know, one of the things that we've never actually <laughs> talked about, and I will say now, is that queerness is so valuable in the world. And that's, again, you know, wh- why I think there's so much conversation around it, because to be queer is to be at odds with the world. It's to be at odds with a system that's designed to make you small. Right, so like you know, it's interesting. Like I, I love listening to you when you talk about these things because you're saying, you know, how you sort of like you had that lens and and making men or cisgendered uh, white males in particular feel sort of comfortable in that space to experiment, blah, blah blah, whatever. The only reason the cisgendered white males feel uncomfortable, and I know that like you know, I shit on these people all the time, and I'm yeah. always like, oh my god, they're like, they really? you do, but like, like no. can I just say, can I just say, <laughs> the reason why they feel that way also is because there's a form of oppression there as well, because. We're told something. We are told from childhood what it means to be a man, or you know, as we understand today as a cisgendered male in the world today, we're told what it means to be a cisgendered female. I- introducing queerness as an idea to everybody allows you to understand that the world is not defined by these binaries and that, in fact, you know, it's a fashion issue. Like, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, Kirsty, who's a wonderful, wonderful friend, very close friend of mine. Um, and we we're talking about how so much, so much of this stuff in the world, as somebody who loves fashion, both of us, so much of it is a fashion issue. So much of yeah. it is what can you wear? You know what I mean? Can a man wear a skirt? Like you see Brad Pitt wear a skirt and people are like going mad. That was a very ugly outfit. I mean, like (laughs) you should have worn something different. But I mean, it was good to see him wear it as a a very casual thing. But it's like, we've come from a history where men did traditionally wear skirts, where men have traditionally worn heels. And now we're in a place where we're like, no, 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 no. If you are a man- I I just watched a show at the Opera House and about
1: the constellations. And I found out that Zeus had a um, homosexual partner. Well, Without you know, the label, but like, <laughs> that's the most important yeah. thing. Without the labels, labels homosexuality
0: was they, already there a long time ago. But European Christianity is essentially what brings these sort of ideas into, you know. Th- Basically introduces these ideas into the human psyche, right? So, yes. like you know, we talked about Anneliese Eagles last week, and I read this article by Chochi. Oh my uh, god! I've
1: listened back to that episode. That was a heated episode. It was. I was very <laughs>
0: upset. But I was. I was. Um, <laughs> I read this article by Chochi Ravulo who is um, a professor at Sydney University, is the highest-ranking Pacifica person within Australian universities, um, and he wrote an opinion piece, and he said, "Don't blame Pacifica people for their queerness. Blame essentially colonization, right? When colonial." When, when when British people and Europeans arrived into Fiji, for example, um, or into any place in the Pacific, they, they saw these variations of identity, right? So, you know, there were, you know, I'm not going to say that within the Fijian context, there were not like cisgendered males, cisgendered females, and that was sort of the structure. But in other parts of the Pacific, like in Tonga and Samoa, for example, th- there was a variation in gender identity, right? Um, And perhaps in Fiji as well. I I do need to read more about that to understand it, even from my own cultural perspective, because so much of it is taken away by, by colonialism and imperialism. But what we do find is that in the Pacific broadly, men did have sex with men. You know, women very likely had sex with women. And it was not a conversation to be had. It just happened. So these people come in and they think, oh my God, that's grass. <laughs> you need to yeah. change. You know, cover up. It might yeah. be 35 degrees and 100% humidity, <laughs> but wear something up to your ankles. Like, it was <laughs> ridiculous. You know, so our bodies. Cover up, but then meet me in my room later. 100%, quietly. <laughs> 100%. And that's why you have so many mixed race people now. But like, you know, actually, it's interesting that coming into those contexts, something about the freedom of these people in the Pacific offended the European sensibility. Yeah. And maybe they saw something and then they, they could not see in themselves. I mean, I if you look it, it was like, deeply religious, right? Deeply religious, didn't... but I think also they come from such a cold, miserable place. So like coming somewhere that was like <laughs> warm where you didn't have to be so restrained, maybe. Like, honestly, like- We so love like, you, Oregon, white people. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like we p- painted like these 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 sort of very hypersexualized images of yeah. Tahitian women on beaches and whatever, um, as and very sort of like nude, Pacifica people. But that for us, like, you know, it it wasn't a sexual thing. This idea, it, it gets introduced. Yeah. You know, you it, know it's, it's really awesome funny you ours. just
1: mentioned that because I was watching this uh, movie. I don't even remember the name, but it was set in the UK and they had displaced the First Nations in that country. And they were using, obviously, they kept calling them black Fella. And they kept using them for their skills for tracking and going through the forest and being able to chart their way through any conditions. And they track people very well. So they're very, very talented. And then they come across this lady, The soldier, comes across one of the um, women. She's with her son. And she obviously has traditional clothing. And obviously, I've seen quite a lot of tribes where you know the boobs are um, exposed. And she had one exposed. And they were mocking her because of, her boob being exposed. But at the same time, while doing that, they still took her in custody and then raped her, which is very often the story. It is, you know, the thing that disturbs you is disturbing you because it's affecting you, yeah. you know, like queerness. Very often you see the guys that are the bullies that are bullying queer people are the ones who are struggling secretly with their identity. Yeah. And they end up being, you know, a lot of the cases you hear about even boys
0: who are being bullied gets raped by the bully. Yeah. How many times have we seen that? Oh my God, it's a, it's a never ending thing. I was reading that article about um, that uh, Sydney private school where they had carved a dildo out of wood basically and had abused this. This person, right? And they nicknamed this this wooden dildo the Anaconda or whatever. The the guy has finally gotten compensation, which was not enough. But regardless, I mean, it's a very traumatizing story. But what drives people to do that? That's the question. And what drives people to do that essentially is this sort of lack of self awareness and also these sort of barriers that they put up for themselves. Of like, maybe I want to. Maybe I want to try some, maybe I want to do something, whatever, makes them angry at themselves. And they take it out of the person who feels perhaps most aware of who they are. And queer people being that, maybe they they wish they were that. They wish they were
1: that aware and maybe even that confident to be able to be that person.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. They don't
1: they see themselves as I'm not being able, I'm not able to be that person. Yeah. So I'm I- going to like
0: put all my shit on him because we talk all the, like we've talked before about like how to be queers to be brave right yes and so like essentially as a person who feels that restraint so like again you know coming back to the men who come to your store for example not all of them but you know initially maybe all new of them come or, to my, my store them, okay, yes you know, all, all of Sydney are welcome <laughs> <laughs> but cisgendered males who kind of like think about okay how how should i dress what should i do how do i put myself together it's again it's because they've put themselves into a box or society has put them in a box to tell them this is the way to exist. And whenever they see somebody who exists outside of that framework, they're like, nah, f- I'm going to fuck you up. And that's also why, to be quite frank, in many cases, especially in this generation, um, if you look, for example, on the African continent broadly, if you look more specifically somewhere like Nigeria, you're seeing black men dressed differently And more flamboyantly, because despite the fact that that, uh, these are cisgendered males that I'm referring to um, who are heterosexual, they're still black. So they still need to, in a world that tells them not to, be brave and stand out. So do you see what I mean? There's this correlation between like kind of stepping out and really being like, oh, well, I've got no choice. I mean, like like, it's like being a queer person of color. Like you're you're not you're not going to be invisible. You know, it's like what you said. It's like Brad Pitt,
1: Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt wears a (laughs) skirt and it's like all the rage. Mm. But, you know. A lot of cultures have skirts. I like,
0: wore a skirt every day to school. Well,
1: you're a different story. <laughs> <Even> <laughs> I know,
0: I when- <laughs> In the Pacific, Sulu. I've seen it. You know, I've like seen. you yes. wear them. And that's Even all in we India,
1: do. do you know when I went to Kerala, to, uh, my mom had this brilliant idea of tracing her ancestors <laughs> through the paddy fields? And that was, you know, you can imagine I me through the paddy fields in the sun <laughs> with never. no electricity. <laughs> 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 not not happening again to my mom <laughs> and there were men in there um it's called vaisshti. it's like you know, it's like a long uh, piece of cloth that they just tie and men hold hands there yeah. they're literally straight friends holding hands holding pinkies and just walking along the street and that's just the norm. and then obviously the colonizers will come and say that's not acceptable behavior and make it all a thing and yeah. then, they can't do that anymore.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, and it's so interesting that there's even variance sort of within, you know, w- within the spectrum of whiteness, right? So like yes. if you if you go to France, for example, no, France is not a good example. If you go to Italy, for example, you know, people are quite affectionate. Yes. You know, men are quite affectionate to each other. Perhaps, I don't know if they hold up, but there's definitely a lot more affection. I mean, even Middle Eastern men, the fact very that they're very, um, they have this impression
1: of being a very masculine and very, you know, the all the connotations that come with that, but they have to do triple kisses or four kisses. And they're very affectionate. Like they hold hands as well. I've seen it many times, but it's just part of the culture. And it's very acceptable. Again, someone comes along and says that's wrong. And all of a sudden that's law.
0: And everyone else sees that as weird. This is the thing that's so interesting. British colonialism is responsible for so much and so many of the issues that we have around queerness and around color around the world today. But now when you go to the UK, things are quite different. Yeah. But it's interesting that they go into these contexts, including into much of the Arab world, and they're like, nah, not. that's not the way you're supposed to behave. This is a man, this is a woman. Yeah. But then now they look back on these cultures and they say, oh my God, you're so primitive. Like you still do that. Oh, homosexuality is still illegal. Oh God, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Who introduced these laws?
1: Yeah.
0: Wherever they went in the world, homosexuality in particular, at that particular time, or queerness now, as we understand it, was criminalized right now we have previously colonized and decolonizing countries working their way towards essentially walking backwards to what it is that they understood themselves to be yeah and it's it's just a very very sort of it's an interesting it's an interesting time that we're in the world today as we said um, at the beginning of the podcast i think that cultural movements and moments like what's happening with the Renaissance album, for example. And I hope there's more of it. Yes. I hope that this is the beginning of well, something. Well, we know there's yeah. act two and three, so I'm really hoping Fingers that's crossed. coming I'm out I'm very soon. excited, that's <laughs> all I'm going to say. And also the Queens remixes everything, just so you know. Um, I think that, um, you know, just to conclude, I, I think that it's very interesting in terms of, in particular, the queerness of people of color, that we started with Madonna and Vogue in the 1980s. And in some ways... This renaissance is, you know, it's, it's sort of, it, it speaks to me of like the Harlem renaissance, right? So like a, a time of change, but not just for people of color. And it's not just about like people, more people of color becoming thinkers and poets and writers and musicians, and sort of driving the narrative of the world because we should, because we are a majority. There is, there is a majority by way of people of color in the world. But also for queerness, that we actually get to contribute now and we get to change the world in a way that actually will make it so much better. You know,
1: I honestly feel like those guys in Pose when Vogue came out during that era. And it was so beautiful to watch all the um, actors, you know, while they were in that period, being so emotionally um invested in the fact that there's this movement and and everyone being happy that we're now being seen and and there's going to be a change. I feel like we're those people today with Beyonce's album. And I just feel like it's uh we've come again through another cycle and I feel like this is the period. So I really do hope that, you know, a lot of conversations come about from this. A lot of changes happen from this. Um we can only hope. We can only do our part and we can only hope. And I'm so glad. That's just why I'm keep saying Saying is I feel like everything for us and within our community is going hand in hand. You know, we are we're having these deep conversations. And then the next day I see you on MKR representing all of us. And then Beyonce's album is in my ears while I'm while I'm going to, walking through to the studio today. And I'm just, I'm really am filled with joy. I just feel like there's something happening, and I'm so glad
0: to be part of it. I agree. I think it's a very joyful time. So look, we run out of time, but everybody out there. we already
1: ran out of time. Most of us. the time was you rattling away, sis.
0: <laughs> Most of the time was you trying to catch a train. Most of it is you Can trying to say, make it so serious. This I'm bitch like the was drama. 20 minutes. 20 minutes <laughs> okay, late. Okay, y'all
1: need to sort out the it's train strike. So if he, <laughs> there's anyone in the train company that wants to leave comments below and ex- it's tell It's the New South Wales, Wales government. The <laughs> They're trying to let people who don't take the trains decide. So tell us exactly what it is down in the comments, maybe we'll help you.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's a good point. You want know to talk about that next week. How people who don't catch public transport make decisions on public I know. transport. So let's have it a live segment stop. of fast Taking the Trade, honey, Premier, <laughs> sweetie, Dominic, doll, catch the train, sweetie. <laughs> we'll Anywho. see you next week, darlings. Remember to message us. Leave your thoughts in the comments Join the conversation Pull up a seat to the table You know what? After
1: doing three episodes We have been inundated with feedback Not only from our circle From um, comments and Mm. from messages And we've been sharing it on Instagram Mm. And um, we're just so glad with the response It has been with the conversation and, And stories that we've highlighted So send in more DMs Send in more comments below And we'll keep sharing them
0: 100% See you next week, darling
1: See you then